Hi friends, my name is Jenna, one of the three voices you'll hear on this podcast. I have worked in the wedding industry for five years and I can't wait to share all of the advice, tips, and tricks you'll need, and even better, alongside two amazing other industry professionals. Whether you're a newly engaged couple, a wedding pro, or just want to have a laugh, we're here. Now who's ready to pull back those curtains and have a glimpse behind the party? Hello, listeners. I am so excited you're tuning in today. Before we get started on this episode that's going to be all about budgets, who's paying for what, how to balance when people are helping contribute to your celebration and your planning, all the good stuff, um, I do want to go ahead and take a moment and let you know next week you'll be hearing from not just my voice. You're not stuck with me anymore. We are so excited to welcome back Jenna from her maternity leave and have her on when we do our 50th episode for Behind the Party and we do Host in the Hot Seat. So it's going to be a really fun, playful um, episode where you'll learn more about us. We're going to answer some questions that the other person has no idea they're going to even be asked. So it'll be a good time for sure. So focusing back into this episode, budgeting. Ooh, usually the word alone makes people shut down make someone to stop the conversation, switch gears. So don't do that. Stay tuned in with me right here because we're going to go over who pays for the wedding, who contributes. And as a wedding professional with years of experience in the industry, I am so excited to share with you some friendly advice and tips to help you navigate the important aspects of wedding planning. Now, my perspective, my view, and my tips are really coming from my roots in the event industry, what I've seen, what I've listened to both couples and parents and family members all talk about. Um, We're going to go over some statistics as well. But all that to say, I am not a financial advisor. I do have a financial advisor and he's fantastic. If you need one in the Denton area, let me know. Um, But this is not something that I want you to approach as if I am a financial professional giving you advice. I'm here for the social aspect, to help reassure you, to help you guys navigate these conversations, things along that side. So let's get started. The big question of the day, who pays for the wedding? Now, we see all sorts of combinations, contributions happening in the industry today. So traditionally, the bride's family pays for the wedding, but nowadays in 2023, it is not uncommon for couples to pay for their own wedding, like completely. I uh, We have a lot of couples that either already have a home together or they're in the process of leasing or buying a home together as well as paying for the wedding. And so those are big factors that come into play. We also have a lot of couples that are kind of bringing their lives from different states together, um, but they both have full-time jobs. They're both in their careers. And so they're completely tackling it on their own as well. Most of the time when couples pay for their own wedding, at least in my experience, um, they're typically a little bit more established in life. We're not throwing out the old word, I promise. Established. You have that career. You've got things under control. You've been saving for this moment or for others. You've had a plan. Maybe you guys have been engaged for a while. Or maybe you've just been dating for 10 years, and so you knew it was coming, you've talked about it, you've been saving away for it, you name it. 
Um, whatever that looks like, we're definitely seeing an uphill trend of of couples taking on this financial responsibility themselves. And what that does is it allows you the flexibility to plan exactly what you want. You'll still have ideas and suggestions and support coming from all directions and sometimes opinions, but at the end of the day, you feel in control and we love this. But at the same time, we know that weddings are expensive, guys. Let's be honest. It is a luxury to plan a big wedding reception. That's why we're seeing so many people lean towards these micro weddings and elopements. And if you're wondering, like, Amanda, tell me more about those. That sounds like what I want to do. That is a whole episode in itself. So we'll dive into that a different day. But today we're staying focused on the financial side. According to a survey by The Knot, the bride's family actually pays for 44% of the time. Let me try that again without messing it up, shall we? According to a survey by The Knot, the bride's family pays for the wedding 44% of the time. There we go. I knew I wrote a script for myself for a reason. The couple pays for it themselves 42% of the time. And then the groom's family pays for it 13% of the time. So it's not uncommon for both families to contribute as well. It's not uncommon for the bride's family to pay. And it's not rare that the groom's family takes care of all of it. So let's discuss a little bit more about who is expected to pay for what and provide you those tips we promise for navigating these conversations with your families. So accepting financial help from others can seem exciting. It can seem overwhelming. It can have a wide variety of emotions. If your family or your parents are choosing to contribute to your wedding budget, your celebration budget, whatever we're calling it, It's important that you have these conversations early on about what they are willing and able to contribute. The last thing you want to do is make assumptions, and then you guys end up in kind of this uh, tense conversation later down the road. There's enough emotions with wedding planning to begin with. If you can make sure to have these conversations in advance, it will really help eliminate a lot of that as this progresses. Some families may have specific expectations or they might have specific traditions that they want you to follow. Some may be very flexible, not have anything. Here you go. It's a gift. Have fun. So having an open and honest conversation about what's expected and what you're comfortable with is really important. And if you are caught off guard by someone offering to financially contribute, it is okay to be accepting and gracious and say, wow, thank you so much. I really would like to talk about this more. Talk to my partner about it. We'd like to, you know, have this conversation to see what it looks like with you. Let's get dinner next week. You can buy yourself some time to come up with these questions if you don't have them already. And you can also take a moment to breathe. Ask them like, hey, please, like before we meet for dinner, think about you know, what it is, if it's something specific, like think about if there's anything important to you that this needs to go towards. Give them the opportunity to do the same so that both of you feel from the very beginning, very black and white about what's happening. Because at the end of the day, this is a financial transaction. 
Do they love you? Are they celebrating and supporting you? And this is amazing. Yes, absolutely. And we are so excited about that for you. Should you expect certain things from them? No, not really. Should you assume that they're going to pay for certain things? Or if you decide to go with a florist that costs $5,000 instead of $1,200, they should just be fine with it? No, not really. So having these conversations sets this off on the right step, and that's what we want for you guys. So your day can be just like you want it to be. So here are the questions that we want to go over with you today. What is the budget? Number one, what is it? It's important for you to understand how much money is being contributed and what that's expected to cover. You and your partner need to have a clear understanding of what your budget is before you're making decisions. A lot of times we'll have um, parents of, you know, the partner, the one not doing most of the planning, the groom, whomever it is, and they'll say, okay, well, we'll cover the alcohol, the bar. That's what we'll cover. Or we'll cover flowers. Okay. So what if you're under budget? What if they set aside this amount for you and you end up coming in hundreds or thousands under budget? Do you get to use that towards something else? Do you get to tuck it away for the honeymoon? Or do they expect to only cover what you decide to go with? That's really important. What if they don't care what you use it for? Here you go. Have fun. Like go crazy. Same thing. What if you're under budget and you get to save it away for the home fund? Something exciting. What if you go over budget and you need a little bit more assistance? What does that look like? Second question we would really, really stress you guys look at asking them. And we'll list this all out in a really cute Canva graphic for you to grab on the blog as well. So don't worry if you're driving and you're not taking notes. Please drive safely. We've got you covered. So the second question, what are the expectations? If there are specific traditions or expectations that your family want to follow and they're providing you financial assistance, they're going to think that there's no reason you shouldn't do it. So if there's particular type of venue or type of catering, um, entertainment, do they expect you to have a henna ceremony? Do they expect you to incorporate certain dances or choreograph? And the list goes on and on. So you want to make sure that you're having these expectations discussed in a positive, open conversation early on so that you can avoid misunderstanding or surprises later. If you are blending two different cultural backgrounds together in a wedding, it can be a lot to navigate. And what our couples tell us is that there are some things that they feel very passionate about and other things that they don't, that perhaps their family would disagree and rank those differently. So if your family member is offering financially to contribute, you need to make sure that their expectations, but also yours, are very understood so that everyone knows what's going on. And I would just leave you a little side note to say maybe – If there is something very important to your family member who wants to contribute financially and you're not sure about it, hear them out. Have have an open mind about it. If you're really, really opposed to it, let them know that. If you're kind of on the fence or there's wiggle room and you're like, okay, at the end of the day, it's not really going to do much harm if we have 
you know, cousin Eddie play a song during the reception because that's what your mom wants. Then let him know like, okay, I'm willing to think about that. Can you give me some time? Then they feel heard. You feel heard and in control. And then on the back end, just go ahead and speed dial or email one of your wedding professionals because we are here to help out. And we can help you find an answer where Cousin Eddie gets to play his guitar for the guests while you guys are taking photos so you never have to hear or see it. It works out wonderfully. There are lots of options, and we would love to support both of you guys in this so your families can enjoy your day as well. Question number three, what decisions do we get to make? This is a big one. Even if your families are contributing financially, you and your partner should still have the final say on all of your wedding decisions. Let me say that one more time. Even if your families are contributing financially, if they're paying for things, you and your partner, the two that are getting married, that the celebration is for, that this honored, sacred marriage ceremony that's happening is all built around, you guys should have the final say on all wedding decisions. Now, if you're handing over the reins to mom, sister, whomever, love that. But at the end of the day, it should filter through you. So make sure that you are very clear on the decisions you get to make and what decisions need to be made in consultation with your families. Maybe they feel very strongly that they should have a voice in certain areas. So you want to know from the get-go what those are and if you're comfortable with it. Our next question, number four, is are there any strings attached? Now, this one comes off a little bit brash, I think. It's very straightforward. And of course, no one wants to say, yes, we have a lot of strings attached to this. So they may just initially say no, but hear me out. Sometimes financial help can come with strings attached, like wanting to invite additional guests or having a say in the wedding planning process. They want to be involved. They expect to be at tastings, things like that. It's really important that you be clear on what those strings are before you accept any financial help. When I got married, my parents financially contributed to the wedding. They helped so much, and we are so grateful. Part of that was that they got a say on the guest list. Now, we worked it out wonderfully where... Um, everybody got to make out their guest list and we sorted it between, you know, their A tier, B tier, C tier. And I promised I wouldn't cut anybody off if we had room in the venue and money in the budget to have those guests there, they would be there. But if there were too many people on the guest list, I would equally remove them between my parents, my husband's parents and my guest list. And we would start at that bottom of the list in the C tier And I would make sure to communicate first, and that's where they would come from. So just knowing if they want people there, if they're going to expect you to allow them to make a guest list, doesn't mean that you're losing control. It just means that you need to have that open conversation so moving forward, you guys are on the same page. Number five is more logistic. How is the money going to be transferred? You want to make sure that your families are clear on how the money is going to be transferred and when. You want to avoid any delays in payment, misunderstanding, losing your photographer because you didn't get the deposit down. You also, this is one thing that I do recommend talking to your own personal financial advisor about. A lot of times, 
your family members can gift you a certain amount every year and you won't have to pay any taxes or report it. But if it goes over a certain amount, then you do. Weddings can be expensive. So in that sense, it might make sense for them to pay the vendors directly and you not have to worry about it. So just figuring out how this is going to work and what it's going to look like is really important. Number six is you want to ask how involved they're going to be in the planning process. If your family is contributing financially, we already talked about that they probably want to be involved. So you want to discuss how involved they want to be, what role they want to play, and what it looks like. Do they want to be your first call when you have something going on? Are they going to be hands-on with DIY projects? Or do they want to take a back seat, enjoy the fun stuff, and sit back and relax? Number seven, what happens if you go over budget? Now, this is really common for couples who don't do their research, um, and this is extremely common for couples who don't track their budget. So if you want to stay on budget, and we've talked about this in another episode, of course, I highly suggest, one, you know exactly what the industry looks like before you book vendors. So do your research, look around, see what's happening to have an idea of that budget. Build your budget around actual current day quotes because the pricing of things has gone up dramatically in the last one to two years, especially with florals and foods. So whatever your sister paid last year for her wedding catering, even if you go with the same caterer, the same menu, odds are the price is going to be very different. You also want to make sure that when you're doing your budgeting, you're keeping track of it. Last episode, we talked about our ultimate planning checklist. It's fantastic. If you haven't grabbed it, go do it. It'll make your life way easier. And how we have a track on the back of the worksheets for vendors in that I suggested you build a Google Sheet or an Excel Sheet to track your vendors, the payments, when they're due, what you've paid, what you have left, and then of course, any extra upgrades you might be interested in and how much it costs. What this does is it makes sure that you guys have a pulse on your budget. So that when you go to the store and you see that really cute wedding sign and you buy it here and then you find the perfect Jimmy Choo shoes and you just have to have them and you spend money there, you're tracking it all. So you know where you're at in your budget long before you get close to the end. So back to our question. What happens if after all of that you still go over budget? Oh no. (laughs) It's important to have this discussion at the beginning. Are they going to be able to contribute more money? Or are you going to need to adjust your plans to stay within budget or to cover the difference yourself? Don't overextend yourself assuming that someone else is going to pick up the tab. Keep track of that budget on an Excel sheet like I mentioned and just set cruise control to your wedding and enjoy. By having all these conversations and addressing these questions from the very beginning, you and your partner can just relax and ensure that everyone is on the same page and that your wedding planning is going to run smoothly. And that's what we all truly want. Now, if you're paying for the wedding completely yourself, it's important that you set that budget early on and stick to it. In a survey by WeddingWire, the average wedding in 2020 was $19,000. I've already mentioned how much has drastically gone up since then. And so in this section, we're just gonna focus on tips on how to save money on your wedding including prioritizing what's important to you. We're going to touch on negotiating with vendors. And we're going to talk about considering alternative options for your wedding venue and decor. First up, prioritizing. 
Now, if you've been a listener for Behind the Party for the last 48, now 49 episodes, you know that this is the first thing we recommend you do when you get engaged, is prioritize what's important to the two of you. What that looks like is making a list of, ooh, we have to have great photos. Uh, We have to have this type of atmosphere. And the food has to be amazing. Love all of those. To me, that means you need a great photographer and probably videographer. Your venue setting is extremely important, as well as the decor. And then, of course, you need to have catering that is off the charts impressive to not only you, but also your guests. So with that being said, those three things is where the majority of your budget is probably going to end up. So as you're reaching out and getting quotes, you're going to see ranges and costs. And that's going to give you a realistic view of what things cost in your area. So I know we have listeners all over the states. I think we're almost up to 30 U.S. states. So fingers crossed that we can break 30 soon. Um, But I know we also have listeners in over seven different uh, countries. Excuse me. So wherever you are located, your budget is not going to be the same as a statistic that is in some online article especially if it's not a current day, current year statistic. It's just not, it's just changed so much. And I know that means more work for you. But if you've chose not to hire a wedding planner, that means that you're taking on all this research responsibility. And you need to go and you need to go do your due diligence to have an idea of what different vendors cost for services in your area. This will show you a range. There are going to be DJs that are and there are going to be DJs that are $7,000. And you're going to figure out really quickly which number you feel more comfortable with. Not only that, but you're going to focus in your priority more on, okay, yes, the experience is what we want, but we really don't need a 12-piece band to, to hit that. We're good with this experience over here on the lower range. It'll really give you an idea. Negotiating with vendors. Now, this one touches close to home for me. A lot of vendors, especially in North Texas, are small business owners, which means they don't have the room to negotiate with you. If they do negotiate their prices with you and lower them, what that means is that they can no longer afford childcare for that event. What that means is that they may not be able to go to the networking luncheon to make new connections because they gave you that discount instead. When you affect a small business's numbers, it affects them very quickly, very directly. And I'm very passionate about this right now because I have watched so many amazing vendors have to close their doors in the last two years just because of how everything's going in the world, how difficult things have been. We understand completely when couples are feeling the pressure of a wedding budget because we feel the same pressures as running a business. And it's a lot. So negotiating with vendors is not something that is standardly done in the U.S., especially not in Texas. Uh, A lot of Texas vendors are actually priced very reasonably compared to the rest of the U.S., which is fantastic for weddings. But it does mean the, the flip side is that there's not really much room for negotiating. Now, here's my tip. This is like my secret spilling the beans. If you want to negotiate pricing with vendors, instead of just asking them to lower their rates for you, here's what you can do. You can tell them, hey, DJ Sarah, I absolutely love your work. 
follow you on social media media all the time. Love getting to talk with you. Your packages are phenomenal and you'd be an amazing fit to our wedding. However, our budget is set at $1,000. And I know that your Loix package is currently set at $1,400. I wanted to ask you if you had any other packages available that perhaps are not on your website that have less services that are more in line with our budget. So you're telling them, this is our budget. This is where we're at. We don't expect you to work for free, to donate our wedding, to send people there and not have them pay for their time. But what we would like is to hire you. So what other options do we have here? We respect you. We respect your time and your service, but we would be okay if, if, you know, paying a little bit less meant that we, we didn't have the custom monogram shining on our wall. We understand that. And down the road, if our budget allows, we'll add it back in. It'll be wonderful. So negotiating with vendors is not how a lot of people think where you can be like, hey, no, let's just go ahead and pay $3,000 for your venue and your team for a 13-hour. Like, It's not just throwing out numbers at a market. What it is is a healthy, open conversation about asking of other options that they may have to better fit your needs. At our venue, what that looks like is our eight-hour versus our 13-hour day or our micro-wedding versus our full wedding package. So there are other options that are on the secret menu, just like when you go to fast food, that maybe you don't know about that are within budget. And it is absolutely acceptable for you to ask about that information. Go for it. So when we say you're negotiating with vendors, that's what it needs to look like. The last point we said was considering alternative options for your venue and your decor. So what this looks like is if you are really looking to save, your venue is a fantastic place to do so. Um, And I say that knowing full and well that I work in a venue. Um, There is a huge difference between a urban in the middle of the city ballroom at the, you know, this fancy hotel. That's gorgeous and beautiful and a venue that is a 20 to 40 minute drive located right next to overnight accommodations for your guests where the indoor room looks and feels the same way, but you have the venue and property just for you. Private event. You don't have to worry about people walking around the hotel room, things going on just for you. But funny enough is that the venue that other people can walk into and do interrupt the day, you don't have parking because you have to valet and the parking garage is full and that is more expensive than these more rural out of the city limits venues. And so this is what people call hidden gems. You'll see them posting in Facebook groups, hey, who knows of a hidden gem where we can get married? And nine times out of 10, these hidden gems are owned by families or are a small business of sorts, which means their overhead is a lot lower and they usually pass that on to you. It also means that you're going to recognize the person you're talking to all the time and it's going to be a very different and drastic experience. In our area of North Texas, we're outside of Denton. In the last five years, we've gone from two rural venues outside of the city limits 
to now there are 12 just in one 10-mile radius, not even looking at the other half. There are so many options out there, and finding an alternative option for your venue could mean you go and look at one, and they are primarily a, a vineyard or a brewery, and you're like, I love your space. What would it cost for me to rent it out on a Saturday evening for a wedding? How cool would that be? If you're going for an industrial vibe anyways, a brewery is a great place to do it. Maybe you find that you absolutely love where you board your horses. And so you ask them, hey, what would it look like for me to have a wedding right here in the barn? I'll take care of everything. It'll be wonderful. I have a couple doing that too. So, so fun. And decor, alternative options is pretty pretty easy with that one for me. You can look at local rental companies. It's going to save you a lot of money in the long run. And of course, DIY. But the problem with DIY that most people don't think about is how quickly the supplies actually add up. So if you wanted to rent the cylinder vase for $1 a piece and then just pop in your florals or your floating candles, fantastic. Or you can DIY it and you can buy it for $17 per vase on Amazon and then add your decor to it. So DIY is not always the cheapest route. It is the most flexible when it comes to um, doing projects in advance. So we love that. But just something to keep in mind and compare while you're planning. Okay, guys, thank you for tuning in to this podcast all about wedding budgets, who pays for the wedding, and the questions you should be asking before moving forward with that. Just remember that setting a budget early on and having an open and honest conversation with your families and your partner is truly the key to ensuring that this whole stress-free wedding planning process actually happens for you. Best of luck to all of our listeners on your wedding planning journey. And if you enjoyed this episode, please, please subscribe to our podcast for more helpful tips and advice on planning. And do not forget to follow us on social media for even more inspiration and behind-the-scenes glimpses into the wedding industry. Thank you for listening. Thanks again for tuning in. As always, you can find us at Behind the Party Podcast on Instagram. We want to hear from you. DM us on Instagram or email behindthepartypodcast at gmail.com. We can't wait. See you next time.